banks weren't exactly giving out loans to kids that want to put out punk rock records. And I realized I'm not going anywhere. Usually it's a couple of irons in the fire. There's been times in the past where it's been a few too many and we've definitely paid the price for that. FBM, the bike company, was just like an office space with like a tiny warehouse and it caught on fire and burned down. I worked at companies where I was making more than enough and was living comfortably, but I wasn't happy because I didn't feel like the work was fulfilling. Hopefully this will squash any Chris Renz a millionaire rumors. If I'd have known anything about business, I would have never started a bike company to begin with. I mean, there's a million other things that I could be putting my time and energy into to make a much better living. I'm trying to make an honest living out of doing something you love. It's like a terrible idea. We would rather fail than suck. That's truer every day. We will never suck. Kodak Projects presents Don't Stand In Line, a six-part docuseries about four unlikely entrepreneurs. Featuring Chris Wren of Bridge Nine Records, Sonny Singh of Hate56.com, Greg Walsh of Wolf Brigade Gym, and Steve Crandall of FBM Bike Company and Dropping Coffee. Available now for purchase or rent at CodecProjects.com. I'm happy to say that this episode is being brought to you by Triumph Printing Company. Triumph is a Massachusetts-based screen printing company with 16 years of experience. Everything's hand printed. They offer design as well as branding. I'm actually using them for a few upcoming projects and I'm super excited to be working with Matt over at Triumph Printing Company. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Triumph Printing Co. or email Matt direct at triumphprintingco at gmail.com. One of the sort of reasons that I made it was that we haven't really had any um, British films about BMX or or skating, really. I mean, if you you know you think of you think of like Dogtown or Bones Brigade or you know the mountain bike or the clunkers thing, it's all American. There's never really been anything about our our sort of history, um, and that was you know that was part of the big appeal when I was thinking about doing it that, that I'd be the first really to, to try and talk about it. Welcome to the Kodak Projects podcast episode 22. In this episode we're talking to filmmaker Matt Harris. Matt has recently released a great documentary called Ron Boy's 40 Years of Rad. We talk about growing up in the UK in the early 80s, getting into skateboarding and BMX, entrepreneurship, filmmaking, Obviously, his film, the film distribution model, and a whole lot more. I think you might find this one interesting. Okay, I'm Matt Harris. I'm a, I guess I sort of do a bit of, I feel like I do a bit of everything, but my sort of day-to-day -day job is um, I'm a, I kind of do freelance DP, director of photography work for commercials and corporates, um, ads, um, and and this is this film was a kind of, and actually documentary, I did a lot of TV documentary stuff as well. And th so this was the first time I, I kind of actually had total control over a, over a, a subject. So, and over the subject you're talking about is it's uh, the documentary film that you made is called Rom 40 Years of Rad. Rom Boys 40 Years of Rad. Rom yeah. Boys 40 Years of Rad. I knew I would screw that up. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of BMX and skateboarding in it. And I grew up doing both. Were you similar? Did are you more of one or the other? Or yeah, I kind of uh, I I I started. I mean, I, I I this sort of shows how old I am. But I got my first skateboard in 1977. Whoa! Okay. Uh, yeah, and then you know it, a little small fiberglass thing, and I kind of did that pretty rubbishly, pretty badly for a couple of years, um, and then. Till the ET came out, you know, and like every kid in the UK like wanted a BMX bike after ET came out. It's in nineteen eighty two, and so I got a I got a bike then uh, Christmas that Christmas, um, and then I I I kind of did that for a couple of years, and then um, then got into skating again in about eighty five. I think when Back to the Future came out, yeah, sounds familiar, <laughs> you know, and uh, and I did that for a couple of years, but I was never brilliant, you know, I was never fantastic at it. Um, but yeah, so so I was always more of a you know skate BMX kid than a footballer though. 
Right. I had a similar story. I don't know. I'm I'm going to be 47 in another month or two. So mm. I don't know if we're I'm pretty a little, similar. Yeah. So we're about the same age. And I remember, I remember seeing ET and then just having like BMX come onto my radar. Like, and I didn't even realize that that's what put it on my radar until like recently when I really started to think about it. And then yeah. you do that, you're doing that around the neighborhood. And then, um, you know, there was always like a kid in the neighborhood who had a little like a penny board, like you said, like the little fiberglass board. And then, but then back to the future came out and it was, it was all about that for a bit. And I always bounce back and forth. Sounds kind of similar, like a similar yeah. situation. Yeah. I think that's, it's pretty typical of, a, 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 certainly over here in the UK, you know, a lot of the people that I interviewed, it was the, it was that same story. Yeah. Um, because, because, you know, you th I guess you think about it then, you know, like, like you said earlier, we, we didn't have the internet. Uh, and so it was just, um, you know, a, a big movie, you know, you go to the cinema, it was a big event, right? Going to see a film in the, in the early eighties. And so it would, it would, I think it would really resonate with you. Yeah. I mean, it was the only real exposure exposure you had to it until, I mean, there was like, you know, TV commercials, I guess. Uh, over here, at least there, I know every once in a while it'd be a, a TV commercial with some BMX, like usually like racing or just yeah, maybe a little jumping and yeah, you know skateboarding. And then it went from that. And then all of a sudden, everything was uh, everything was hip hop, like you know someone was rapping about breakfast cereal yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. But so you grow up where in in the UK? I'm in uh, Essex. I grew up in Essex, which is um, it just kind of east of London. Well, east, yeah, the, the east of London. I mean, I'm sort of a 20 minute drive from the city. Um, so a suburb of London. Yeah. And was um, that, I was gonna say, was that close to ROM? And actually, we should probably explain what ROM is for anyone who might not know. Yeah, ROM's a, a skate park. Um, and it's one of the it was one of the first to be built in the UK in 1978. It was built, and there were a handful that were built at the time, and they were all based on, you know, the kind of American big American parks. Um, and it was just at the peak of the craze of skateboarding uh, that, that they decided to build a, a series of these parks. And Rom is. Um, it's one of the one of you know one of the only ones kind of left there's a there's a like three really um and all the others have just kind of been shut down or knocked down over the years and rom is the biggest and it's also which is really kind of unique is it's the only proper skate park in the world and when i say proper skate park in the world i mean one that has a whole list of features that you can skate or ride on that is um it, that's historically listed so um, there is no other park that has a, a official historical designation, which means that it can't be knocked down. That's crazy. Cause I know like a lot of the parks that were around in the late seventies, early eighties uh, over in the U S got bulldozed and just filled in. Well, well the, it's interesting. The first park to have a historic uh, listing wasn't really a park. It was a, it was a run. It was a bowl and it was in Florida and it was called the bro bowl. And they gave it a listing saying, you know, it's, it's a, a, the U S historical preservation, whatever they call it, that it can't be knocked down. But a couple of years later, they, uh, they did knock it down. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they, they, they scanned it, they 3d scanned it and they rebuilt it at the other end of the park. It's in Tampa. Um, okay. but it's, but it was the first, to be listed, but it doesn't actually exist in, anymore. And it was literally just a, a small, a small bowl, you know, probably about four foot high or something. Right, right. So, did you were you, did you grow up going to Rom? Was was that local to you or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's about twenty minutes. Um, it's about yeah, about 15, 20 minutes away from me. And it was one of those when I when I got into BMXing that Christmas, we had a little crappy park at, literally at the end of my road, and you'd go down there. And it would just be rammed with kids, and um, you know this was nine, this was nine, yeah, 80, 83, I guess, and uh, and everyone would talk about Rom, you know that everyone was oh you got to go to Rom, got to go to Rom, so then it became a thing that you know on a Sunday you'd, you'd get your dad to stick the bike in the car and you'd go to Rom, and and it would just be, we well, used in the film, you know it was just like rammed there, yeah, um, 
So, right. yeah, I mean, you know, I probably went, I don't know, over the years, not not a huge amount of times, maybe a dozen times or so. Right, yeah, um, I know. Some of that, the footage in the, the film from the 80s, it was just, you know, just jammed with kids on BMX bikes. Must, yeah. Like, like I don't yeah. even know how you could get a run in without colliding. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And the weather as well, you know, it's, the British weather was never good, so you'd go... You'd never know what it was going to be like. Or you'd get there and it'd be pouring with rain and kids sliding everywhere and wow. and crashing and yeah, but it was it was it was completely grand so, over there. So let's see. So how did you go from from uh, BMX or skateboarder to filmmaker? I uh, <laughs> I kind of I mean. I, I sort of probably skated up until I don't know late eight, eight probably 88 89 and then you just sort of move on and do other things and and I didn't you know I, I sort of didn't really go back didn't really think about it anymore and I moved on and I got into underwater filming and photography and I ended up I lived in the Cayman Islands for um, about three years and and the Med and the Bahamas, um, south of France, and then ended up in the South Pacific uh, on an island. Wow! And uh, and I was I was literally I was on on a place called the Marshall Islands, and I was out there. And it's one of these places where you either kind of get drunk every night, or you kind of learn to <laughs> you kind of learn to do something. And because I was sort of diving every day, I thought actually I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out this underwater photography game, see what that's all about. So I ordered all this kit from B&H in New York. Um, this was in the early 90s with no internet, so it was all fax and telephone calls. <laughs> and I spent two years um, just sort of teaching myself underwater photography. And then at the time, we had all these pros coming through, so I'd, like, pick their brains. And, I'm and sorry. Then I, I, yep. was, look, I just want to point out that was probably film too, not digital, which is yeah, a whole other... Yeah, it was all 35, exactly 35 millimeter side film. So I'd, I'd, I'd go on a dive, you shoot 36 shots, you'd come up, you'd package it, and you'd send it to um, A&I Labs in Los Angeles. And then three weeks later, it would come back again. And you had to remember what you did three weeks before. Yeah. Um, so it was it was difficult. Um, and then I, and, and, and because it was such a remote place, I, um, I got some sort of interest in doing some filming from TV channels coming through and so i sort of started doing some video and uh yeah and so that was the sort of start really of of sort of film and everything and then came back a few years later got into web uh the web and the, the, i didn't really do a lot of filming i still do a lot of photography but it's only really been the last sort of 10 years that i've got interested with with film again because the you know kind of slr cameras have been so Hmm. Um, you know, they were they were sort of quite revolutionary digital SLRs. Um, right, it made it possible uh, to yeah for yeah because I could never afford a thirty five millimeter film camera. You know, yeah um, at, at that time, um, and so yeah, it's just sort of yeah. It's last... funny. I was I, I'm just gonna say I was never a photographer myself. I you yeah. know, I, I took like one photo class like years ago, and I was terrible at it. And, but I was always interested in video. But I became a much better uh, videographer, I guess, for lack of better terms, w after I learned how to use a, a proper photography camera when, when the DSLRs came out, you know, because the video cameras it had access to, they didn't, yeah, I mean, you know, remember it was like gain and like, like you yeah. didn't really understand what was happening. Um, so when you yeah. learn how to. Yeah, no, I, I, th I think, I mean, I think that you have to, uh, uh, you know, a photographer that gets into film has a better eye from, from someone that just sort of starts, I think, filming just from the composition, understanding yes, a lot more about composition for that one frame, you know, that you're trying to get. I would agree. Um, yeah. Um, so, but I'm sorry. I interrupted you. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, but yes. that's, yes. So that, yeah. And then, and then, so the last probably five years, really, I've been doing it just a lot of, corporate and uh and, and document you know uh, sort of short short documentary stuff for tv okay um and how did how did the idea for for rom boys come about <laughs> well i actually it was it was it was 20 i could tell you it was 2015 and my daughter 
she was five at the time and it was a sun really sunny summer summer summer's day and we were looking for something to do and i and she got a little scooter thing and i thought oh, i wonder if rom is still open and so i kind of went over you know always hadn't been there for oh god you know since 80 or 80 late 80s and so i went there and uh took emma we couldn't, couldn't believe it was still open and we sort of spent the afternoon there and everyone was really friendly but it was all these old guys right there was no kids there it's all these yeah. old guys in their sort of late 40s and 50s skateboarding and i didn't i didn't realize it was even a thing still right skateboarding yeah. and bmxing in your 40s and 50s and uh and i just got talking to them and 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 then we went back the next week and the next week because everyone was really enjoying it and then oh you got to pick up a skateboard so i started you know i got a board and sort of started skating again and then someone said oh you know did you know it was listed and i was like what does that mean and they said oh it's you know got this heritage protection it can't be knocked out and i went away and i thought there's got to be a story here you know all these old guys still mm -hmm. doing it and then this place can't you know cannot be knocked down and and so ian borden who's in the film is professor of architecture at university college london someone said right. you've got to speak to him he's like the world expert on skate parks and he's about half an hour away from me and uh and i thought well okay that's that's even better then right because right. this how do you pass you know, that one up <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not like he's in Venice Beach or anything, you know, he's literally down the road. So we had a chat. I said, look, do you think there's a film in this? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, stupidly enough, I did it. <laughs> and it what? took me five years. <laughs> yeah, that sounds familiar. But I mean, I, you know, I wouldn't stupidly. I don't know. Anytime you make a documentary, there's a little bit of stupidity there, I think. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was it was funny though because um I, I spent six months going, you know, just thinking about it and going to the park every Sunday before I even mentioned it to any of the guys there. Cause I just thought, you know, this is if I do it, if I say I'm gonna do it, then I've got to do it. And right. and and I think that's those six months I got to know everyone. So when it did come time to pull the camera out, you know, everyone knew me and everyone was much more comfortable. And right. so I think that comes across in the film that it's you know it does it's very sure. personal you know yeah yeah no it definitely feels personal it doesn't you know it's not like just some random person saw it and just showed up and started trying to ask people questions that they weren't familiar with because they, you can tell there's a comfort level there um you mentioned uh ian borden i wanted to ask you about like i didn't even know that was a thing and he's listed in the film as professor of urban culture and architecture yeah um and i guess you kind of i guess you kind of explained it some so some someone just kind of put you on his or put him on your awareness and you just went and spoke with them is is there anything more to that yeah they yeah they gave well, they sort of gave me his number i gave him a call um and uh yeah we just had a chat and then i thought and he was the first person i interviewed and I thought, well, if I do him, first of all, then I'll see if there is, you know, that there is a real story in this. And and he was great. And he's a skater, you know, he he's, he still skates. Um, he's in the film, you know, skating the pool at Rome. Um, and he's just like a, a skate park historian? Is that? He's a, yeah, he's a lecturer, a professor of, of sort of, you know, as you say, urban culture at, at UCL. So he lectures on everything urban culture related and around okay. architecture. And he happens to be, um, yeah, probably the leading historian on on skateboard on skate parts. There's a book called Skate Skateboarding in the City um, that he just re he did, he wrote it in in 2000, but he's just done a new updated edition that came out last year that wow. is kind of like the bible of skate parks. You know, I have to check that out. It's great. It's really good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, I mean, I learned so much doing these. Like, I, I had no idea that was even a. A thing but yeah sense i mean when you look at like the guys most of the guys in the film who are still going to rom like you said they're they're in their 40s and 50s and i know like when we were kids that wasn't a thing like if you if you were in high school and still riding a skateboard uh you know people thought you were a little out there at least mm. over here and like i just remember you know still doing it like in the college and and now i'm looking at you know and i still do it not as much as i would like but 
it might not, I might go months without doing it, but it's always on my mind, but yeah. there's professional. I mean, like look at Tony Hawk. He's what? 55 or something. Yeah, I mean, there's still, I think something. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. I mean, and you know, there's uh if you look at in the BMX side, Dennis McCoy is like in his fifties and Matt Hoffman's getting up there. Like these guys that are still doing these things on such a high level um, into their fifties it it's just it kind of inspires you to keep going uh, at least me i i, I think yeah i mean de yeah definitely i mean there's a guy called zach shaw who's in the film who's a yeah. BMX, bmxer and he's at i mean he zach must be 49 now i guess 48 49 yeah and and he still rides the pool at rome like nobody else. no one is as good as him you know yeah. i mean he's been you know, he's been riding Rom his whole life, but you see him in the pool. You know, if he went there tomorrow, he, no one gets as high as him. He's getting like eight, nine, ten feet out of that thing. Um, it's ridiculous. You know. Yeah, it's funny. He says Rom is just kind of like a casual, like easy ride for. Him. Yeah, <laughs> it's like okay. I remember seeing him in the man. I don't know. Probably like, like he like he was coming up pretty hard like early 2000s over here at least i think as far as being like a top vert rider right uh, the bmx i might have my timing off but i remember i definitely remember his name yeah uh, but um i want so so the idea came about just because you it you went back with your daughter and it rekindled your interest in things and um it, you know it it's that's you know again like because of the internet i think that's happened a lot to a lot of different people um but i want to get into the process a bit about the actual filmmaking process like obviously like i loved it i've seen it twice now it was really well shot really well edited um you had all original music the most <laughs> the graphics were real polished and you even had a clip from et in there that i saw yeah. so i gotta ask like because I've done these types of things before and I know what's involved. If you don't yeah. mind sharing, like, was there a specific budget in mind? And like, how did you go about raising funds for it? Um, I mean, yeah, you don't have a... to give exact numbers if you don't no, want sure, to. No, sure, sure. But... Yeah, sure. No, there was, I mean, there was no budget. There was, um, it, it started off. I had no, you know, I thought I'd be in it for six months. It's like, here's a story. <laughs> I'm going to shoot this for six months uh, and then I'll have a film. And at the end of it, um, you know, I'll put it online or something. Um, and so it was like, you know, I've got the camera gear. I've got all the stuff. I'll just do it all myself. Um, and so, you know, everyone that I interviewed was, was at the beginning were all local. I'd either interview them at Rom on a Sunday um, or they were, you know, they're all in London. So it's, you know, it wasn't a huge trek. Um, and then it just sort of got out of control because it was, it was like, like Zach said to me, you know, I interviewed Zach in 2016, I think. And, uh, and he said, oh, you should, you should go and speak to Max Cooper who runs Gumball. Yeah. You know, he loves, he loves Rob. Go, you know, I'll give you his number. And so, you know, we sort of tried to make that happen a few times and scheduling didn't work. And anyway, in the end that happened, it, it, it was a lot of, oh, you got to go and speak to this guy or this guy. And then <laughs> they were all getting further and further away, you know, it's, yeah. until the until, until in the end I ended up going to LA to interview Lance Mountain. <laughs> and, uh, there you go. But, yeah. uh, but, but the whole time, you know, the whole time I was like, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I got a little bit of money from, we have a lottery fund over here, which is a, which is a state government thing. Um, and they gave me a bit of money towards a bigger project where we, we did a big event and uh, we did an art artwork piece that's in the film and they sort of helped fund that. So I got a bit of money from that, um, but it was, it wasn't a lot um, to cover the whole cost. Um, so it was all out of my own pocket, but you know, yeah, everything really. And so, so, and I know, I know what that's about. That's usually, my approach just you know I'll, I'll have to pay for travel hopefully not too much yeah uh but i try to do as much as i can myself but you you had all original music was yeah. that like a friend like a hookup or was it 
That was, I mean, like, it's, you know, it's funny, the internet, right? Because I, I met you on one of these Facebook forums, right? The distributor right. thing. That's where we kind of got in contact. And this was the same thing. I was on another forum. I'd done, an, I'd done a trailer for the idea in 2016. And this guy contacted me. He said, oh, you know, if you need any help with music, let me know. Uh, and he's actually from Brooklyn, uh, okay. Fernando, Fernando Martinez. And, uh, you know, he'd done some documentary stuff and we had, we, we did a couple of Skype calls and discussed the music and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I got him on board, um, but I didn't know him, but he was, he was great. And we, you know, he was in for the ride for four years as well and did the, did all the music, um, you know, got got a load of his mates together in a studio and drummers and guitarists and session musicians and yeah, and did the music. Yeah, well, it sounds great. It was a yeah, it's really good, isn't it? I mean, we went through. He did something like twenty three tracks, I think, in in the end. Um, yeah, and we it's a lot. yeah we worked really close on like each track and how it should fit with the different characters, and that was fun. Actually, that was that was. To me, that was the kind of one of the best bits of the whole thing was, was uh, I mean, after you know, after editing it, when the music track was put in, it was just, yeah, it was great. It was really good. Yeah, yeah. And then you, so you, it sounds like the biggest investment was time, yeah. Um, which again, but, I, I definitely relate to. But you had a pretty well known cast, um, which is, you know, I wanted to. So you, you kind of mentioned Lance. Um, everything you had like bob harrow in there which yeah, is you yeah. know and then um you know again i don't know if it's because it's just not you know it just wasn't on my radar but i had never really heard of the gumball 3000 right. um you know and so i'm like oh, who's this guy like he's got a you know he's had like woody itson's uh yeah. replica gold trick star yeah. in the background i'm like yeah i yeah it was totally just kind of like drooling over that so I started looking him up and you know, it's pretty big deal. Like, how did you yeah. get, <laughs> how, it, was that, was that, so the, it didn't sound like these were people you knew. So you just kind of got hooked up with them or was it nerve wracking? Yeah. To... I didn't know any of these people. No, I mean, you know, I went to Rome, like I said, with my daughter, I didn't know anyone there. Uh, we had a sort of shared, I guess a shared sort of connection that I used to go there, um, but I didn't know anyone and it was only, having got to know them and then you know sort of spreading the word that i'm doing this filming and then well like zach said yeah i'll speak to max you know i'll, I'll give him i'll give him uh, uh oh here's his details give him a call and 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 he was great you know um he was he was really cool he was just he was really easy to talk to i think we ended up i think we booked about half an hour and ended up at two hour interview um just loved talking about bmx and skating and and how it influenced him um, and his business. Um, I mean, he's like, he's, he's like God's, um, I think he's Godfather to Tony Hawk's son or, or something. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, so he, yeah. he's, he, he knows everyone. Um, uh, yeah. So it was all, it was all just, yeah. Friends of friends of friends really. Right. Um, right. And the, the Lance, cause Lance had skated at Rome. It's last time. Well, you know, it's in the film. He was there in the seventies, but the last time he was there, I think it was 2012. And uh, and I got his details from someone there, um, a guy called Seth, actually, a guy called Seth Gittings, who um, had skated with Lance in the summer of 78 in London, and they'd sort of remained friends, and and he'd sort of put me in contact with him. Um, just like, he, it's funny, actually, because I got his email address, and if you if Lance replies within, like, minutes, <laughs> you send funny. him an email, and you get a reply, like, straight back. <laughs> it's, That's awesome. It's quite funny, uh, but it was always all like really short one word things. And I said, look, right. I'm doing this film, blah, 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 about doing an interview. You up for it? Yep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So it was all, so that was kind of weird, really. That whole right. Lance thing was, um, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like you, I think you, you mentioned a minute ago, we, we kind of met in that like, Facebook group about indie film distribution. Yeah. Um, which is, you're, you you pop up a lot you're pretty prolific on there so it'd be it's hard for me not to ask you and you know you can tell me as much or as little as you sure. want yeah. well how did you go you had mentioned earlier when you were making it that oh, i'll just throw it up online we'll see what happens which i've been through that and then by the time you get to the end of this 
beast of mm. a project that you've invested so much in, you're like, you want to get a little bit mm. more than that out of it, either financially or at least in like uh, reach. You know, yeah. you, you really you want people to see it. It's not. Yeah. So, what was your distribution approach? Okay, I, f I finished the film, like edited, post, and everything in February last year, February 2020. And it was just as we were going into the whole lockdown COVID thing over here. And I was in the process of kind of submitting it to film festivals for the end of 2020. And just looking at all those and just thinking, well, I'm going to do the film festival thing, you know, so at least I can get some laurels to stick on a poster and maybe that will help um, get it out there. And then, you know, all the film festivals are getting cancelled and, and just getting pulled. And so I'm thinking, well, you know, this could go on for longer than six months. This this These film festivals just might not happen. So I'm going to have to think, well, we're going to have to bin that idea. Um, and and so I started kind of looking around at distributors. So I was just, I had no idea. I had no, you know, that whole business side of it. I didn't, I had no idea how any of that worked. So I just went online and I looked up loads and loads of distributors and and it just became like a minefield of, of, of I don't know, just, just you know, it, I didn't realize it was such an unscrupulous business, really. Um, the stories like, well, you've, you know, on that Facebook group, just yeah. people giving their films and never seeing a penny and businesses, you know, taking it was just, it was horrible. But but in the end, one of the guys in the film, uh, Adam Whitaker, who he helped out with the whole street art piece that the, the London police did, he said, he goes, oh, I've got a friend, he's a producer, um, he lives in Dubai and he does documentaries and he, he's a skater, um, used to go to Rome, why don't we do a Zoom call? So we, we did a Zoom call. Um, I sent I sent him the link to the film, he, he watched it, he loved it. Um, and I said, look, what do I, you know, what do I do? And and he recommended, he goes, well, there's a distrib distribution company, 1091. He goes, I'm one of the executives there. I've worked with him for 12 years. I trust them all day long, you know. Um, why don't you, why don't we drop it, you know, I'll drop him a message and then see if they're interested. And that was it, really. Um, and the fact that, you know, they came recommended um, was, was after reading all the horrendous stuff. Um, we just kind of did a did a deal there and then, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's good to hear. I have a, a friend that recently did a film through them uh, on the band Bane. I don't know. It was called um, Okay, yeah. Holding These Moments, and I didn't realize that they went through the 1091 wasn't on my radar for some reason when I was looking for distributors. Yeah, um, but hopefully, you know, has that worked out? well for you or is it too early to really it's kind of early i mean they've, they've had it it's been out since october um i mean i'm getting paid every month there's money coming in which is a well that's good which is a that's yeah good. which is which is a real good sign when you read some of the stuff out there um i mean it, it's it's such a strange um uh, such a strange world i think now this whole streaming and distribution there's so many of these different platforms coming yep. online you know the avod and tvod and svod yeah, it's, it's confusing yeah. for sure yeah. um, but i mean i mean the fact if you look at their sort of library they do a lot of bmx skateboarding right um, mountain biking actions but so it kind of fits you know yeah and and they had films i'd heard of most of these distributors have got stuff yeah. you've never even heard of right? yeah i i talked to a few um i'll say you know i ended up going with indie rights who came okay yeah. pretty highly recommended um but but you know some of these the distributors i talked to you know i kind of you know i was like leaning towards them and then i went and looked at more at their catalog and i was like wow it's nothing impressive <laughs> and nothing mm. definitely I, that i heard of and when i looked at the quality of it i was like yeah i don't know um mm. yeah so you know when you put so much into something you know you want to be on a certain level of <laughs> presentation. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to know. It's you know. It's, I mean, you know, the money coming in is is not going to buy me a Ferrari. But uh, you know, over but you know, over the three three years, we have a contract, and I'm hoping that time that they're going to 
you know, put it in different places and maybe get it on, you know, like Red Bull or something, some other, you know, right. network. So I don't know, I, you know, it's, I mean, it's got the, I, I spent money as well on, um, you know, because that, that's the other thing when it kind of came out um, and talking to 1091 is like, none of these guys do marketing anymore, you know, they right. don't, unless, unless you're Tenet or something, you know, they're yep. not going to take your film and spend marketing. So you've got to do that all yourself. So I got a PR company that came through recommended on the for on the, on the, um, predatory distributor group, the October coast, okay. I contacted them. Um, and they were great and they got me interviews and podcasts and, and okay. reviews, like a ton of stuff. Yeah. I might and have then, to ask you more about that when we get off here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, um, uh, bunker 15 to get, uh, rotten tomatoes. Uh, ratings. Okay. So I thought if I'm going to do this, right, I'm going to spend the money because you only get one chance to get it out there. So and now it's got, you know, it's a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes critics and um, audience. And then it's like a 8.7, I think on IMDb and 4.9 on, on, well, on, on Amazon US, I think it's got 15 reviews on Amazon UK. It's about 200 reviews. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's doing as well as I can, I could, I could do really. Um, okay. Well, that, so while we're kind of on the subject, it's a little timely, maybe hopefully by the time this comes out, it'll be sorted out and not a thing, but mm. um, I, so recently, so we're talking now, it was mid February, a little after Valentine's day, Amazon just went and pulled mm. tons of independent shorts and docs. And I guess they're not accepting any new ones which is real disappointing to me because I was hoping to get mine up on there soon. Um, and I'm wondering, is, is, is your film still safe on there or, or w what are your thoughts on that whole? I, I, I think so. I'm hoping so. I think because it went through 1091, you know, um, and because it has, it, you know, it's got such a positive, positive presence really, you know, <laughs> If it, if you know, for if a four four point eight or four point nine or whatever it is on Amazon, you know, if they're going to pull that, then, then no one's safe, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, hopefully, it sounds like they're being a little random, but yeah, know. I mean, I think you know, if 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 it's ten ninety one, that's got to stand for something. I would expect. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was one of my. That was definitely one of my um, considerations because originally I was trying to just self-distribute and then I realized, you know, I'm only going to hit so many and then it, it just kind of like hit a wall, you know? Um, so, well, I, I, I mean, I think, yeah, I, look, I, I, I did look at the self-distribution thing and I just thought I don't have contacts, you know, I don't have contacts in with Red Bull or with Apple or with... Right. You know, with with the with the, the like these guys have, you know. Um, yeah, and yeah, that's and what, I think that's what their job. You know, that's their they earn their percentage off of doing a good job. You know, if yeah. I've done my job, I've made the film, I've got the reviews, I've got the fresh ratings. Now take it, and if you can't earn money from it, then right, I've and, you know. And yeah. my other my other thought on it was the whole. I mean, the algorithms, every everything. So if they have a decent library and a catalog and like up on these platforms and if you're in under their umbrella you're going to get yeah a, a hell of a lot more um views just because they're going to be like suggesting your film to people because of the, the way that algorithm works yeah as opposed I hope to so. you trying to get it in front of people yeah exactly yeah i mean you know who, who am i one film i've got one film that's it you know right right no, right. no one's ever heard of me <laughs> and you know so or is it out? What What are the different platforms it's on? It's on, you know, they put it on Amazon, Apple TV, iTunes, whatever it is, Google, um, Xbox. I think they have a, they seem to have a, you know, sort of strategy that it does six months on, on, is it TVOD, right? Transactional? Uh, so Tran yeah. Transactional, yeah. yeah, where you pay to rent yeah. it or, or buy it. And then after that, then it will go on, I think it will go on Prime, right? 
and then which would be s5 so streaming s5 yeah subscription sorry anyone else yeah and then but then i'm you know you read you're reading the 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 group the uh, predatory distributed group thing about avod you know which doesn't exist it doesn't exist over here in the uk there's there is no so i don't know how that works but what i'm reading is that that's proving to be pretty successful yeah i keep seeing that too so that what anyone that doesn't know so avod would be so TVOD is transactional when you just purchase to either rent or buy it, you, you pay money. So SVOD is streaming. So if you have a subscription to Amazon Prime, it just it'll be available for you to just watch free of cost. Um, you know, obviously you're paying for your subscription, but it's part of it. And then AVOD is um, there's places like Tubi or even YouTube, I guess, is is one of them too, hmm. uh, where you it's free for you to watch, but you have to put to put put up with ads. Like Peacock is like that too. I don't know if you have that over there. No, we don't um, have any of those. No, that's like YouTube. The, yeah. So, and, and it's not something I'm really familiar with, but I hear that people do really well there. Um, so that's that's something I'm I'm looking at as well. But do you have a do you have like a a fee, like I don't know if you have any way of knowing just yet or how they break things down for you but any any um feeling as to what's if it's doing better like on itunes or amazon or yeah i mean i had they you sort of have a dashboard they give you access to an online dashboard and they've just upgraded it actually there's a new one like last week that i got access to and i mean amazon is the is the uh the big one winner really yeah um apple kind of quite small figures um which is which is funny because I, I kind of questioned them. That I, the the film was um, in the UK. It was like number two sports documentary um, for like I don't know a week or something on iTunes. Um, yeah, and uh, but the figures were tiny. You know the the yeah. actual. I was like really, and so it just kind of shows you. It goes to prove you know what Alex Ferrari's saying that that whole TVOD is dead. Yeah, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, I I picked it up on iTunes um oh, okay. okay yeah because i you know i don't know i looked at the different places that it was at and i just you know um i don't know i don't know why i just, just i just went with apple because i have an apple tv i guess because i figured okay. i could easily watch it wherever i was um right 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 um so, so i don't know that was you've kind of already answered this so f- filmmaking is just like you're a full-time DP and editor is that yeah primarily what you do you have your own company or is it mostly freelance yeah Yeah, I have I've got a a digital um agency really there's sort of how many of us are there now I don't know five five of us everyone's working from home I don't know how many people are um but I kind of do and that we do a lot of web design graphic design um post-production stuff and then the kind of DPing stuff just gets me out of the, uh, out, of the out of the studio, um, and I've got some commercial kind of corporate clients that I do that for as well. Nice. And drone, actually, I do a lot of drone stuff, which which is great. Which has been really good during the lockdown because I've been able to do a load of that without having to talk to people or you know interact with anyone. Right, um, right. So that's been fun. <laughs> so I mean, it sounds like you you well you grew up skateboarding skateboarding and 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 bmx and you know back and forth and uh pretty at least early on kind of immersed in these diy type subcultures and it doesn't sound like you've you've followed any like specific kind of pre-planned path um (laughs) would you say that those had a big influence on the way that you're you know the trajectory of your life Maybe yeah, I was thinking about this today, and I was watching your, um, I was watching some of your guys, um, you know, in your series, and it's definitely you know the don't stand in line. It's definitely a, I definitely think there's there's something in that. I mean, if you if you think about, you know, if I think about when I was kind of seven or eight, and I'd get the a skateboarder magazine, you know, this huge thick uh, American magazine of of you know, skateboarding in California and, you know, the, the ads, you just look at the ads and people skating in big sewage pipes and in, you know, the desert. And it was just a million miles away from, uh, it was a million miles away from London and, and living here. 
and and that you know that sort of remembering those images and those photos sort of really sort of sticks with you i think um and i mean that kind of definitely made me want to travel and see kind of more of the world really um if i if i think about it you know i can kind of picture those now some of those ads and some of those mm -hmm. magazines um because we you know we've never seen anything like that before right um, and i think uh, and i think as well that the you know with skating and bmxing you know you look at look at the magazines and you look at the tricks and it was all it's just so visual and you, you you can tell if someone had style or didn't have style so i think from a from a young age you kind of learn visually you, you kind of can pick up on what's a good you know what's a what's a good image what looks right what doesn't look right and without really knowing just knowing knowing that at the time and you know i, I definitely think i sort of carried that across to now you know just the way that you look at things and photograph things and film things yeah no definitely definitely i want to ask before we get off here because i was just super curious um how did you get that clip from et in there was that a pain in the ass no i just did it i i, I spent a long time and i did it as fair rights oh, okay um, so was it under I, a certain length that you're allowed no to... it doesn't no no there's there's a there's a fantastic book under that i bought um i'll tell I'll, I'll send you the name of it later and it's by it's an american lawyer he's in la and he wrote a book all about fair rights and i kind of devoured that book and it's a doc you know it's a documentary and and just the way it's used you know with bob harrow yeah um that i, I was ah, pretty confident okay. You know because it's the guy in the film talking about you know right it's him it's not just like if it was just kind of thrown in there with no context yeah i think but because it's a documentary because it's him that i felt pretty confident to use it you know uh, yeah um, yeah no that that sounds that's something i always forget about there is like a fair use or fair rights yeah. thing because that, that's how the news gets away with using all the things yeah. too and it's i it's, mean documentary kind of falls under that yeah, it does. I mean, you know, you think about it, it's like, look, I'm talking about Bob Harrow, and this is Bob Harrow doing, you know, writing in ET. Um, mm -hmm. it, yeah, I mean, everything I read just said, look, you know, it'd be a, it'd be a really hard one to, um, you know, to kind of prosecute, really. Because right. it's, um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, I, I need to remember that, because there's another project that um, uh, yeah, that would come in handy. <laughs> well, actually, there's a great, there's a great, uh, there's a great case study, and there's a film called Room Two Thirty Seven. Have you heard of that? Yeah. Of yep. it, you know, it's about The Shining. Yes. Yep. Right, and it's seventy five percent. Seventy five percent of that film is made up of clips of The Shining, and they didn't they they did it all under fair usage. They wow, didn't pay a okay. penny. Didn't pay a penny. So I thought, well, if they can get away with it against Kubrick, I think I could probably use five seconds of. You right <laughs> i gotta look at that actually because you know whatever i'll just i'll just say it i did a film with a a friend of mine uh, probably 10 15 years ago now it was uh called rooters and it's a it's a film about the, the red sox boston red sox right and their fans and there's a lot of uh we had a producer like an executive producer who was supposed to take care of some things and it ended up going shady bad distribution deal never saw a dime from from it mm. um but anyways, he was supposed to secure rights from the the MLB for for all Major League Baseball for all a bunch of game footage and different footage, and he, he you know he never did it. So right. <laughs> it's out there with all this footage. No one's ever come after. I mean, me or us yeah. for yeah. Um, they wouldn't get anything for it. But like, but that's actually a good point. I don't know why uh, it's not something that we really thought of i guess it's yeah probably falls it's only, under that yeah it's only i think it's only been the, the last kind of few years that that it's become um you know a, a, a sort of legal argument um, right be, yeah i mean it, it, it might it, it's a great the book is great I'll, I'll, I'll definitely send you the link to it but it's 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 an easy read and it, everything just kind of makes sense um yeah, I mean, you're, you know, Americans are much more litigious, I think, over that stuff yeah. than we are over here anyway. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Which is probably why all the parks got bulldozed. Um, yeah. <laughs> so is there is there any 
you know, do you have any like closing thoughts or anything you want to, you want to talk about that we didn't mention? Uh, I don't know. Um, no, uh, not that I can think of really. I mean, are you, oh, you know what I wanted to ask you? Yeah. Are you doing any like direct sales from your website or like any like Blu-ray or DVD or anything like that? I, yeah, I've, I've, I've had a handful of requests on that. I don't know really. I mean, I, I may do. I mean, I've got the, the, I mean, one of the things I, you know, I've got so, I mean, the Lance, you know, like Lance Mountain interview in the film is, I don't know, maybe four or five minutes. And I've got about two hours of, wow. of that and it's great. It's really funny and there's really good stuff. So I've thought, you know, the, the you know, sort of um, extras and, and full interviews of some of the characters in the film, people would love, they would love yeah. that. Um, but yeah, I don't know, DVD, Blu-ray, Blu I don't know. I mean, I, I can't even play one at home. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, I know, you know, it seems like it's a, even though the, the sales night might be huge, if, de you know, depending on what your deal is with 1091, mm. like. Um, oh, I can do it. Yeah. They they, they left me yeah, the rights to you know, do that. You know how it is. If you're, if it's just, it's all the money's going directly mm. to you. Mm. Even a, even a couple sales could be better than a lot of views on Amazon or something, especially yeah. when it gets to the point where it's, you know, um, S bot or something. Yeah. 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 So I may do, you know, we sort of, I'm selling kind of t-shirts and stuff, but I mean, it's not, um, you know, it, it's sort of trickling through. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Blu-ray. I mean, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I, li I like the idea of having one, but. Right. <sighs> you know. Well, it's a t I see it's the type of thing I feel like you'd watch you'd watch uh, definitely more than once. You know what I mean? I mean, I've already yeah. watched it twice. So, yeah. Um, and it's, you know, I think in that because it's kind of niche and in, in mm. those, in, in, in like, you know, skate and BMX and, and, you know, kind of underground music, like people like physical items, you know what I mean? Especially if it's anything, there's a lot of collectors too. So if you yeah. do something a little different, you know, I could see that you know, being cool, well, being a good Well, thing. I think, yeah, I think, I think the kind of the, um, the, uh, yeah, the extras like the Lance, the full Lance interview and Bob Harrow interview, yeah. some of those guys, you know, Andy, Andy Ruffle, who's a BMX, um, kind of British legend, you know, yeah. he's, he was really funny. Um, so yeah. I think those, those would be good. It's you funny. Know, like, love that. that goes back to, I think what I was saying earlier, being coming up here, in eighties and nineties without internet, like being, you know, I, I would devour anything to do with BMX or skateboarding. And I hadn't heard of the ruffles until two thousands. Like when I got on Facebook and started looking at all these old school BMX groups and stuff, and, you know, you know, uh, what was, was it BMX beat? Was that the show yeah, that they yeah, hosted yeah. and all this old stuff? And I'm like, how did I not hear about these guys? You know, I, yeah. I knew about like Craig Campbell and like, right. And like guys like that, that were a little bit, that made it over here. But, um, yeah, it was, you know, it was definitely different. It's, there's, a, it's, there's, a, there's a couple of guys that I met every, every year they didn't hold it uh, last year, but every year they hold an old school BMX meet up in a place called Milton Keynes here. And, uh, and, and last, um, when was it? Yeah. I did a, I did a short 20 minute preview of the film a couple of years ago with Bob, Bob there and Matt Hoffman was there and John Bulgens. Um, so a lot of these guys kind of come over for it, you know? Right. Um, and there's the, the guys that run it, these guys called An Andrew Rigby and Anthony Freshina, they've been working for five years on a book about the old school BMX um, called When We Were Rad. And so that's yeah, due, yeah. That, you know, I don't know if you follow that, but that's I've due seen, out. Yeah, I've seen them, yeah, I follow them on Instagram. Yeah, right, yeah. So that's due out like this year. Um, and that would be cool. That, and that's got Craig, they interviewed Craig Campbell and um, a lot of those guys, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I should get in touch with those guys. Yeah. Yeah, that, um, yeah. They, they, that's a, that's another sort of epic project that they've undertaken. Yeah. No, there was one, um, oh, Jesus, now I'm blanking on the title of it that I got. Uh, yeah, never mind. I, I can't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there was another book project like that. It was real good really good I mean, what's, what, um, what's your plan with the don't stand in line are you are you you've got uh, more people to yeah to kind so of i'm talking to people right now about trying to do a 
season two because you know i structured it in a way that um so that it can be grow into something bigger because you know i'd done a couple like one-off documentaries in the past mm -hmm. years ago and just kind of got screwed by the distributors and never saw a dime and um just looking into things it's like well if i'm going to do something uh i, I didn't want to sink five years in my life I've done it before and like, you know, you don't know that going into it, but I, because I had mm. done it before, I was like, both of those documentaries took like five years and then I never saw a dime from it. I was like, I'm not dealing with distributors, I'm doing it all myself. I'm going to keep mm. it simple, easy, super low budget. If I make my money back, great. If I don't, it was a good time. And that's kind of what happened. Um, mm. You know, I made enough self-distributing it to this point. I made enough to kind of cover my costs. Um, because I've really spent nothing, you know, like yeah. other than like, I think one plane ticket um, and then a lot of time, but yeah, yeah. without saying. Um, so yeah, like the plan was to do, do it as a series so that um, I could do multiple seasons and like, you know, I, cause I was thinking about it. I was just listing out different people who would work. I'm like, I could do this. I could just keep doing this for God knows how long. Cause there's so many different interesting people, you know? Yeah. Um, that, that I think, you know, I think it, I think it would be continue to be fresh. If it starts not to be, then I won't, you know, but, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's like, it's funny. So it's like the film when I started, I had no idea I would sort of get into the whole graffiti and street art side of stuff. Yeah. But it, but it was just a sort of natural path that kind of led there. And then you, you kind of see how it's all connected really. Yeah, it really, it really is. It's, it's funny. Um, you know, I, I, cause, you know, the, the one that that's out that's completed that you've seen is like, it, it's pretty BMX heavy, but it always was intended to include a lot more of that, you know, like the skate and art and filmmaking. Yeah. And, and so I'm going to try and do more of that moving forward. Um, but you know how it, you, you start with where you're at and the people that are into it, that you're, you know, I, I was friends with all these people for the most part, or at least yeah. had, had spoken with them on more than one occasion and yeah. um, they were interested and they got it. You know what I mean? Cause it was, it's kind of a weird concept to explain, but they were like instantly on board. So yeah. it's like, well, let's go and let's do it. And thinking that, you know, I think I contacted people in April or February, maybe actually of 2019 thinking that I'll shoot this all in three months and get it out within six months. And, you know, it came out, you know, I think it, end of 2020 really is when i finished it so yeah, yeah. yeah they grow into these like they, they the documentaries just sort of take on a life of their own like you said you kept getting referred to like oh interview this guy and this guy and and how do you some of those people how would you just how would you turn down the opportunity to interview them you know it's yeah. gonna only add to the project yeah <clears throat> so yeah. yeah man i don't know i i i think it's a great doc i think anyone out there who's even remotely interested in in skating or bmx um you you know i i think it's definitely worth your time worth checking out what's the best place for people to follow you but also the best place for people to actually purchase the film or watch the film so that you get the the, <laughs> the best return yeah, I mean, any, well, I mean, rum, I got a, the the website romboys.film. I'm sort of updating that with any new stuff, and if you know, if we get Blu-rays, we'll put them on there. Um, and if you know, there's there's links on there to the the different platforms. But I think it's just wherever is easier, right, for people to watch it. You know, that's the that's the the main thing, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think it, it is on Vimeo, but I mean, I I, I think the, your your series was the first thing I've ever bought. I think. On yeah, Vimeo, yeah. You know? It's a tough. It's not. It's it, there's too. There's a lot of friction there, uh, unfortunately. Hmm. Yeah, but, it's just a TV. You want it on a TV, right? You want to just you know press a button, put right. a code in, and bang, watch it, start watching. And I think Amazon just do that really well, unfortunately. Hmm. You know? Well, it could be fortunate if uh, hopefully things. Yeah, out there a little bit. Okay. All right, Matt. Thank you so much for talking to me. Um, I really, really enjoyed the film, and hopefully, we'll talk again soon. Brilliant. Great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
hope you enjoy that conversation with Matt Harris. If you want to continue to support us, what we really need is help in spreading the word. So if you could take a screenshot of the podcast or the docuseries Don't Stand in Line, post it up on your Instagram stories or in your feed and just tag us in it. You know, make sure you tag at Kodak Projects so we see it. And, you know, that would really help a lot. It helps just get the word out there. Also, don't forget, if you're looking for some quality screen printing, please check out Triumph Printing Company. You can find them at Instagram and Facebook at Triumph Printing Co. Or you can contact Matt directly at triumphprintingco at gmail.com. Go, 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 go,